0: It was actually my granddad and my grandma used to race tandem on okay. the, on the track, and my granddad actually built bamboo wheels, Wow. which was pretty incredible. That's when that's when you know, in mean, carbon wasn't even thought of then. You know, yeah. so it's kind of ironic that um, that my granddad used to do that, and then I went into the wheel business. But I was making carbon wheels and aerodynamics and Formula One and bringing all that kind of technology into the bike industry
1: welcome to earthy where eco-loving meets adventure living here you'll enjoy stories from people living lives based on what they love if you're sick of depressing news you're in the right place earthy is designed to inspire and teach you about sustainability earth-friendly lifestyles travel and well-being your host is an adventure and lifestyle author shannon mcgivney her tenacity and her grit, and how she's able to take those two things and compound them with her passion. She's basically unstoppable. It's incredibly impressive to watch and learn about her journey. Miss Beverly Lucas is the founder of Night Composites, which has revolutionized cycling worldwide. More recently, she founded Outdoor City USA, which is a multi-sport festival that we're going to be talking about more here in this podcast. Beverly, I'm so glad to have you on. Let's get right to it
0: between me and my twin one of us was going to be in the bike industry (laughs) did you guys fight over it (laughs) no not at all my sister well my sister discovered boys at 16 and didn't want anything more to do with cycling okay um and i i could care less all i wanted was to ride my bike and and that was it like i say, we started racing when we were both eight and uh i didn't stop racing until i was about 28 so i've been all over the world with it and been super fortunate and ends up here in Bend and, and so. um, I looked
1: up, I stalked you on, on you know, online, and <laughs> I, I read a lot of what you've done and accomplished on LinkedIn. Right. And I'm trying to connect the dots, yeah. and I'm looking at this. And first of all, it's impressive. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff. You're a busy lady. Yeah. Uh, second of all, I mean. Your experience spans country kind of, I mean, you have Australia, Switzerland, Oregon, Utah, Irvine, Phoenix, the UK. And you've been. <laughs> you all really have stoked me. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> yeah. I stalked you thoroughly. I mean, at least in them. Not yeah, like anything crazy. <laughs> okay, but walk me down your career path. How did you make it to where you are today? Uh,
0: in 2010 11. So I worked with a really, really good wheel uh, real company called Envy uh, Composites. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was fortunate enough to telecommute for a few years, but um, to be honest with you, in 2010, um, we lost everything here with the with the um, economic downturn mm-hmm. understatement. Um, so Envy, who I was looking for at the time, they went, well, that's really sad, but yay, that means you can come over to Ogden. We'll rent you a house, and they did, and they were absolutely fabulous um, with with me and my family at the time after what happened. Um, but what I saw in Ogden was um, the mayor, Mike Caldwell. Um, I don't think he was mayor at that point, but he was something to do with business development. And I saw Mike at every trade show, bike or outdoor trade show that you could possibly think of. And he was going beating the bushes about about what a great place Ogden was, basically. And so having watched him and watched, you know, AMA Sports come in, the Salomons and the ski companies and the you name it. They were all coming to Salt Lake and Ogden mm-hmm. to, to set up their US headquarters. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was kind of like banging my head against the desk saying, My God, that could be Bend. We've got as much as Ogden, if not more so. We've mm-hmm. not got an international airport as close as Salt Lake, but Portland's right there. And, right. you know, Redmond's getting bigger and so mm-hmm. on. They so, said, Hey, you could be Ogden. Mm-hmm in my mind no question but you need to bring the industry to you to let people see you as opposed to not that I was accusing them of sitting on the laurels but but basically going (laughs) yeah we know how fantastic Ben is to work and live but but everybody else in the world doesn't Mm -hmm. and there's so much potential here for people to I mean particularly in my industry in the bike industry it's like you know, the single track that we've got, and the roads that we've got, and the gravel roads that we've got, which is super hot right now, it's the hottest thing in cycling, Um, you know, I said, we've got got all this access, and all this land, and all these amazing mountains and scenery, and, you know, from a, a marketing and a product testing perspective, Ben has it all, and I genuinely feel that there's a lot of opportunity here for business, so that's what this bloody festival is all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely going
1: to talk about the festival. Uh, but really, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about your background. Like we were talking before I started hitting the record button, you know, where you're from and, and yeah. you know, how you were raised and, and, and basically what drove you towards these types of,
0: um, you know, outlets. You know, I, I came over, um, when did I did to come out to the States, 99, I think, something like that, from where? From the U of K, which part? United Kingdom. Yeah. I um I came from Sheffield, um, okay. Which is, um, I still love it. I miss it a whole lot. Um, Sheffield is in the north of England. Um, population about three quarters of millions, know like that. Okay. But it was renowned for cutlery back in the day, you know, and and gardening shears and stuff like that, you know. And I think Sheffield is a, a really, really proud of that heritage, you know, and certainly I am. Half of my family were in the, in the steel industry for sure, but, um, but no, that's why I grew up. And I grew up, um, again, riding bikes and uh, riding with my twin sister, and I have two stepbrothers who were only interested from the sidelines and passing them bottles and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but you said every
1: day it was like part of your regimen, it was mm. school, homework, music and bike.
0: It was like a chore, like you had to check, check the out. <laughs> it was a chore sometimes. It, well, sometimes it was the only way I could escape from the house. But, uh, but no, my family took it really, really seriously. And um, so my, my great uncle um, was a, a pretty famous frame builder, um, uh, Bob Jackson. And he was even, I mean, you can mention to the people who know you're in the, uh, in the US. And people go, oh my God, that's your relative. Wow. You know. Mm -hmm. my grandma was a racing cyclist my granddad was a racing cyclist that's how they met they actually um i think they actually founded uh, one of the oldest clubs in um, in sheffield hillsborough wheelers you know um, the, the only other thing that Hillsborough famous for is, um, is Sheffield Wednesday, which is still my team. <laughs> so so, <good> you.
1: <laughs> so did, were your parents also really, you know, entrenched with the sport or did it skip a generation? No, it skipped a generation, it absolutely. You know, so, pushed me
0: into time trial and all that good stuff.
1: So. Did you become a cyclist because you were a good girl and you were told to, or did you like immediately start to love it? How did that transition work where you chose it?
0: Uh, no, I think I always loved it. I mean, I always got a real kick out of watching my uncle and, you know, and, and uh, watching my family race and whatever. But um, but yeah, I, I think part of it, I think my mum my and dad um, wanted my sister and I to be part of something mm-hmm. cool, you know. And we weren't. I'm like, I was the worst. I couldn't catch a ball, throw a ball. I couldn't. I, I had no like hand to eye coordination. <laughs> so, so, I think cycling for me was um, was that opportunity to get out and and back in the day, you know, I mean, God, even at like ten, I remember going and riding out in the um, in the countryside, where I lived for all day, you know, yeah. and no issues with cars. And we didn't wear helmets back then. And. But um, but no, it was a, it was a great place to grow up and a great way to grow up and the, you know, we'd go out on these club runs on a Saturday morning and mm-hmm. there'd be 50 kids on a club ride, you know, yeah. going out for the tea cake run and going and having beans on toast at the cafe and then riding bike and stuff. But how did how did it make you feel when you were riding? What are the things that made you constantly want to come back to it? Absolute intense happiness on a bike, and I still have that now, even though I don't get out as much, you know and It's just an opportunity to switch off and, you know, you don't have to worry about your studies or the teacher that you don't like at school or fighting with your sister or
1: (laughs) whatever, you know,
0: but, but yeah, it's, I I think freedom more than anything, just getting out and clearing your head and smelling the roses a little bit, you know.
1: So you grew up in the UK, riding bikes a lot with your family being avid cyclists. Mm -hmm. Um, When you came over to the States and in your adult life, how did cycling still maintain as a major part of your life and and
0: then part of your career? Um, Well I came across here to work in the industry. I ended up working in a bike shop. I was a mechanic um, in a little shop in Glendale um, just outside of Phoenix and I I just enjoyed it so much that I ended up staying there 18 months. Um, I actually went to Interbike. This is the, That was my first Interbike. It was back in 1999. I was like a kid in a candy store, you know, and I'd be going and looking at bikes and looking at the lug work and see who, the, who did the best welds. God, there's this company called Felt Bicycles. You got The, the welds are amazing. <laughs> you got to look at them. And they were made in America at the time and they were making just these beautiful bikes and uh, I said, I think, I, I love the story and it's this guy, Jim Felt and this guy, Bill During and I think we should pick the bikes up for the shop. I think they do really well. And so we did, and which was great for him, for the bike side of things, but not so good because I got so embroiled in this company that I beat Bill Durings, he was the CEO. I beat his door down, asking for a job. And they were based then in um, Huntington Beach, California.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, like you, I got yeah. the bug for, for uh, the surf thing. And, yeah. You know, I'm a 20-something blonde British gal and I was like living the dream, you know. I was like, oh my God, I can surf every day and I can ride my bike on PCH and it's gonna be amazing, I'm gonna have this life, you know. And, you know, Bill kept writing back and going, stop bugging me, I have no job for you. <laughs> and then finally, um, you know, it was, a good, it was kind of like, you know, I was writing for this, um, this uh, newspaper called Tailwinds at the uh-huh. time. And so I, I got this article published and I sent him that, you know, and I, and I, I got a podium in a race. I sent him that and it was, it was almost like he became my dad, my <laughs> good dad. He was like, Hey dad, guess what I did this weekend. Yeah. But finally he, um, I went over for a proper interview and they gave me a job, which was basically like a jack of all trades. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was on the phone selling bikes in the morning, then shipping them in the afternoon. And you know, it was just, it was the funnest company ever to work for, and uh, I, I shared a house with, um, I think he was a Bianchi rep or something like that, but, you know, I, it was just, it was just fab, I, you know, this, this this British gal has landed in California of all places, you know, and I'm riding my bike, and I'm working for a bike company, and we're growing this company, and I think that's, it's Phil During, honestly, who I have to thank for my... Um, desperate need to, to do stuff, to mm-hmm. invent stuff, and to to um, to innovate, I guess, if you like. Yeah. You know? so that, that's kind of how he was. He was a, a really good businessman, and he wouldn't cut corners, and he did some really, really cool things. So that's how my career started, certainly here, and um, just kind of progressed from there, you know. So did you use the building blocks that you
1: observed in that job to totally. do this?
0: Totally, yeah. But as far as you know, learning the American way and learning to, um, you know, the kind of things that you needed to bring a product to market and and uh, you know manufacturing and all that good stuff and you know cost analysis on products and I mean you name it, I learned it from him and a lot of it was just listening and watching. Yeah. It's not like he sat me down at a desk and went, you do this and then you do that and then it was all kind of trial by fire and and yeah. learning from experience. But um, but no. Bill just gave, like I say, he just gave me this, um, this notion that if I felt that there was a gap in the industry and really? I could fill it, then I could do it, you know? What was that gap that led you to your product? Speed. Um, I actually, I was a big Formula One fan back then. Um, that's uh, thanks to my dad. Um, but I remember I, I got up to watch the Melbourne Grand Prix in Australia and it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And I watched Jenson Button, who was another bro, come out onto the track. He's got this Fly V Australia um, logo. And I go, oh, hold on a second. We're sponsoring the Fly V Australia cycling team. And it was kind of like, oh, my God, that's what we need. We need to bring Formula One aerodynamics to cycling. <laughs> as, as the next boss once said, to me, you've got bigger balls than most men I know, <laughs> and I think it's just having the, you know, the wherewithal to, or the confidence to go oh out and, and and do what you think is going to work. And there's a whole lot of crossing your fingers, you know. But but I like to take calculated risks. Yeah. And so uh, I fast forward to um, to starting my own wheel company. I got a phone call from my co-founder or then co-founder, and he said, I think we can make a faster wheel than Envy. I go, that's big shoes to fill a you know? And he goes, no, I think we can. I've, I've got this guy, Kevin Kwan. Now, Kevin Kwan was an aerodynamicist who worked for a company called Savalo who made the fastest bike in the world, bar none. I mean, they, they held that for years. And, um, and he said, basically, Kevin Kwan's in, if you're in. And I was ready to come back to, to Bend, you know, for the kids getting older and all that good stuff. And I go, yeah, all we'll right, do it. When do, when do you want to start? <laughs> the only way to globalize something to make it successful is to, to have people ride it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can tell you that, I mean, whether it was felt bicycles or MV composites or, or night composites, for me, it was always... I know that if you ride this product, you're gonna buy it Mm -hmm. because it sells itself. I can give you all the marketing bump and all the the numbers and the stats and the data and who's won on it and who's not and blah, blah, blah. I can give you all that, but you need to ride it to actually feel it and and understand how different it is and how much better it is than everybody else's. The hardest part is getting that person to to be able to demo those wheels or that bike or whatever. And I guess having been to trade shows for the best part of 20 years, you can never do that at trade shows. All you Mm -hmm. can do is talk. And I think that's been lacking for so long in my career. Like, God, how do we get bums on seats, you know? And so this is where ultimately, you know, if you take what I know I needed as as a brand builder, and a, and a product tester and a product manager, um, I, kn- I knew that I needed people to, to ride my products. And for the EDCO element, EDCO and, and the, the, the region, they mm-hmm. wanted people here to test Bend, if you like. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I bring everything together and outdoor festival is a direct result of my um Frustration in not being being able to really truly test, have people test my products at an event, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of you know how do we bring the industry to Central Oregon, um, and give them an audience you know the general public. What made you
1: decide to broaden it outside of the biking world? You've clearly been entrenched in the cycling mm-hmm. world, so why
0: did you open it up to multisport? My family. <laughs> We, uh, so, Bill, um, my other half, and I, we have four 12 to 16 year olds between us. She's 16 on Sunday, she's 15, <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's basically four, four teens in the family. And I sat him down on this very couch and was like, What do you like to do other than ride bikes? And, you know, knowing that they go to the rock gym, the Bend Rock Gym, and they climb and they go on trail run and. They pretend they don't like hiking, but they really do. Once they get out there, once we kick them out the door, and I thought, you know, we need more, certainly more women, and not to, uh, not to say that all women are moms and whatever, but there's a lot of us that are moms, and I figured, you know, you never see women at these festivals and shows, Mm -hmm. or or certainly not enough of us. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, I'm a mom. It's two birds with one stone. So if, if I make something that's really kid-friendly and teen-friendly. It's not just bloody, you know, the, the foam ball pits and the... Right. The, you know, make something that's interesting to teens as well. Um, then that will bring more women, naturally. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not make it a really fun family event where there's something for everybody? There are downhill races, the um, Cascade Classic um, Youth Foundation are putting on uh, the balance bike This they have this absolutely amazing they call it the Strider Adventure Zone and it's like cones and little ramps for like 2 to 5 year olds who she are just is. learning to ride bikes, yeah. you know the bikes with no pedals mm-hmm. so um, the kids start there, um, there's a family run and walk that, that little kids can get involved in, uh, there's a climbing wall, um, the guys at Entreprix, um who are based here in town they make climbing walls for a living, so they're bringing this thing called the crag wagon and it's my god my measurements aren't great but it's 30 feet high 60 feet wide and it's basically it's so big that it arrives on a semi truck and they basically flip the front up and it's this climbing wall wow it's incredible and there's coaching there there's clinics there there's belaying clinics and 5k and 10k running trails marked trails um there's a downhill race for kids and a downhill race for adults. Every race for 16 and under, so the youth element is free. Wow. So you bring your kids, it doesn't cost you a damn thing. We know as parents how much it costs to put kids through races and travel. And right. Really? It's it's, it's nail biting how expensive it is. But um, but yeah, so every race is free for them. Um, on the Saturday night, there is a bit of an exhibition cyclocross race, which is basically where all the, the top riders in the region Um, come and do this um, fantastic, short, um, whippy, um, just super fast course that's basically all around where the Expo Centre is. There's actually a guy in town who I am super fortunate to have on board, um, Brad Ross. He's the only guy in cyclocross outside of Bend who is renowned in Belgium and France and all all these countries that are renowned for cyclocross where it all started. Um, And I actually called Brad Ross and was like, so I'm thinking we do this crazy, you know, pro style, you know, short track kind of cyclocross race on a Saturday night for a big party. We'll get 10 barrels to sponsor, which they have. Um, I said it'd be a really good party, party atmosphere. What do you think about putting it on? He's like, let's do it. So, so we're doing that, which will be great. Um, the course itself wraps around um, this big expo. We've got about 50 uh, companies showing up to demo their products mm-hmm. and talk about what they do and what have you. And the, the cross race goes around that. You know, That's it, cool. it's going to be so cool. Sunday is a whole day of racing. Shimano, our friends at Shimano are um they've built or in the process of building an e-bike track. But but the e-bike demo is going to be really fun. And because it is a little bit of a contentious issue right now because there's certainly people who are very kind of like old school hardcore pedal sure. only and then there's people who are not too sure of what's going on like I'm like, i like I really don't know what an e-bike is and does it damage the environment which is a big fat no actually because I've seen the data. Um, but and then there's people who are like, already doing it and have been for three years or five years or yeah. whatever you pretty big in
1: this town I think for commuters
0: yeah for commuters certainly but mm-hmm. you know whether it's mountain bike or city bikes or trekking bikes or mm-hmm. whatever you know it's, it's definitely getting there and for me what I've seen and certainly with my parents who are still riding bikes at, my dad's 84 my mom's 80 this year no my dad's older than that he's 87 but they're still riding bikes yeah. my dad needs a little bit extra help now mm-hmm. you know so for people like him who are still Physically fit, you know Mm -hmm. um, But just seems a bit of help up the hills It's brilliant for him, and you know, I think for anybody it's getting them outside, it's getting them on bikes, it's getting them off the couch, what's not to like? Yeah, yeah. the
1: whole like purist dogma stuff, I, I know. think people get a little caught up sometimes. Oh, God, totally. But I think when it can introduce more people to a new experience, a new sport, right. a new form of being yeah. healthy and getting away from all your technology yes. outside. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a win all the way around. It's, if totally. you're not tramping on the environment, then I think it's a win. Absolutely. Okay, so for those that are interested in going to the Outdoor City USA in bins, um, 13th through the 15th, uh, what do we need to know? Uh, Where should they go for more information?
0: So um, we have a great website with all the information on it, um, outdoorcityusa.com. It's got registration open for all races. Um, And again, even if you've never raced before, there's something for you. Um, Bring your kids, again, 16 and under are all free um, for everything, it's free to get in. Um, We are supporting two. Um, nonprofits that are really close to my heart for sure and that's um Central Oregon Trail Alliance and Oregon Adaptive Sports I, love them. I do too yeah. yeah they're awesome so um to check out their websites as well I can't tell you the address but you know it's they're, they're out there coda.org and oas.org maybe yeah Oregon Adaptive Sports is that what it is yeah. okay fair enough
1: well, that's amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to going. I'll definitely be there. And, Good. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much Absolutely. for sharing your story and your time and all your experience. It's very inspiring to listen Thank to you how you bang much. down the doors and make things happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody has to. It might as well be me. But no, thanks for coming and thanks for talking to me today. It's been fun.
1: Thanks for hanging with us. I hope you had a blast. If you know someone who would make a great guest on Earthy or you'd like us to cover a specific topic, reach out at adventure-guru.org.